Hi everyone and welcome to the Project Inclusive podcast series. In this podcast series, members of the Project Inclusive team will be covering various topics on inclusivity and neurodiversity in Singapore. For today's episode, titled Embracing Neurodiversity in an Inclusive Singapore, we are glad to welcome the kind folks from Healers Autism Centre to share their thoughts on today's topic. Do stay tuned to hear from them. Welcome to the first episode of our two-part podcast series. My name is Sir Hao and with me is Ernest. We are members of Project Inclusive, a service learning project focused on raising awareness about persons with disabilities, or PWDs in short. In this two-part podcast series, we will be discussing topics relating to fostering an inclusive society in Singapore. In our first episode, we will begin by discussing how inclusive we are as a society and together explore ways that we can help cultivate a more inclusive Singapore. I have with us today Alicia and Kara from Healy's Autism Centre. Alicia is a verbal behavioural therapist with Healy's. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychological science and she also works with children from various backgrounds. She also hopes to erase a stigma that, sing- that society holds towards individuals with autism. Kara is also a therapist with Healy's and has nine years of experience as a behavioural therapist and also as an early intervention educator. Having an older brother with autism, she's inspired to make a difference for those in the autism spectrum and has worked with a wide spectrum of clients with ASD. Thank you, Kara and Alicia, for joining us today. Um, to start off, can I just ask, um, what are some ways that we can begin to discuss inclusivity? Okay, so before we can discuss inclusivity, it will be good to have a clear understanding of people's awareness and the knowledge about the topic. So in the case of PWDs, it will be good to know what exactly the disability is, what areas of functioning it affects, and what can be worked on before we can talk about what we can adjust in our environment and the society. So if everyone's on the same level of understanding and knowledge, we have already taken the first step. So the next step is getting to know from the perspective of PWDs. Um, You can ask them personally what inclusion looks and sounds like to them. Uh, We can also get insight from people in their immediate surroundings. So people like their family members, their caregivers, and even health professionals within this industry. So today's society is a lot more sensitive to a lot of issues, which can be a good thing. So things that may seem small, like how we address PWDs, can also affect the way we uh, look and think of people. So person-first language, as we mentioned, instead of the disability or characteristics. So when we're able to recognize, respect and talk to PWDs, Mm. then we can actually start discussing inclusivity. Right. Yeah, I really agree with you on the point that, um, first of all, it is for us to be able to be aware of disability in general, what they are, and not just to speak within ourselves, but also to include them in the conversation as well. So you, you, you spoke about using person language first, person-first language, sorry. So what are some examples of using person-first languages, and why do you think is it more inclusive? Mm, okay, so... Um when we say person-first language, as mentioned that we want to recognize the person first. So even in the term PWDs, persons with disabilities, mm. or when we want to address certain people with uh, a specific 
uh, perhaps disorder or disability, maybe even for people with ASD or individuals with ASD in that sense, we try to put the person's, so let's say the name of the person, sorry, the name of the individual rather than, oh, um, handicapped person, for example. Because it just kind of forms a, an image in our head that, oh yeah, that person, uh, oh, it's a handicapped person. Or for example, if even when we put that into like the retrospective of people's colour of their skin as well. Mm. So for example, if we say, oh, uh, a brown person, a, a black person, a white person, it sort of like forms a descriptive word and it just associates the person to that descriptive word forever. And in that sense, it just makes us focus on the descriptive word rather than the person itself. So it would be good to use person-first language always. And in that sense that we recognize that, hey, they're a person of the society and they're just like us. Right, right. I think that's definitely more respectful. And I think that um, we can't just address people the way we want to, but also speak to people that the way that they want to as well. Right, so Alicia, actually we conducted a survey with some students from SIT to get a general sense about what young adults feel about uh, Singapore's inclusiveness towards PWDs. And we have selected three responses from the survey that we felt uh, were interesting viewpoints of inclusivity in Singapore. And we'd like to ask, what are your views on these statements? Yeah. Yep. So I'll just start off with the first statement. So one person mentioned this. Although there are initiatives by various organizations to inculcate the PWDs with social and practical skills, I feel that there is still very little integration into the society. The skills training is mostly within the PWDs themselves and not within the general community. So what are some of your views on this? Uh, okay, so um, the thing is, yes, we have a lot more uh, organizations and educational and job opportunities for PWDs. So we definitely come a long way in how society views them. But rather than it being a hush, hush or touch, taboo topic, we try to address and even attempt to put it at the forefront. Like we have banners and posters that show awareness and to even celebrate PWDs. So it definitely took time, but we're only going up from here. So we have, in this case, we even have more representation of um, persons with physical or even intellectual disabilities on our local TV shows, uh, dramas that you can watch on our local Channel 5, movies and even performing groups as well. So celebrating what they're good at instead of emphasizing on their disabilities. Yep. So um what about you, Kara? What do you what is your what is your take on on whether you know there is a on the topic of whether there is enough integration of PWDs in our society? Mm, I think we are taking baby steps in a sense of with regards to um, the workforce especially. Mm. I think it, we are quite well aware of like Uniqlo hiring, hiring people with special needs as mm. well. Mm. Um, even the local food establishments like McDonald's and KFC, you guys have heard of it and you've probably seen them as well yep. working mm, around. Yep. So it's good that there are baby steps but I feel that these baby steps could be integrated into more different um, career paths as well. Right. Yeah, like more towards um, something like maybe a person with ASD is really um, fixated with routines. Yep. So maybe a job that requires a lot of routine would be towards maybe engineering that requires a lot of like I have to do step by step 
analysis. So mm-hmm. towards those kind of career pathways as well. Mm, maybe on this, like um, you might be more aware of this, but for the education system for for maybe persons with uh, autism, like like mm. like what you just mentioned, like um, do they do they tend to have any sort of like um career oriented training? Okay, yes, now. they do. So um, in Singapore, what they do in um, SG and ABLE, which is the um, kind of pathway that kind of shows what you can do after um, early intervention, the youth school and all, there's also vocational training and also a mm-hmm. pre-employment training as well. So um, I know that in, um, where is this? in Eden, they do um, pre-employment training, so vocational. So they have job coaches as well yep. mm-hmm. to kind of guide them how to do certain um, work and how to act as well and behave as well. Mm-hmm. And also they do um, follow-ups as well. Every two, three months, they check up on those um, students or people who are working there with special needs. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. So, yeah, definitely I agree with with the points that have raised so far. And I, and I also agree that we definitely have made progress as a society in increasing opportunities for PWDs. But it's going to be a continuous work in progress. So, for example, Singapore has been recognized as one of the most disability-friendly countries, at least in Asia. Like, for example, our transportation systems and public housing estates are highly accessible to persons who require wheeled mobility devices. And we also have tactile ground surface indicators that guide persons with visual impairments. So while I think a lot of us tend to pay attention to the more negative publicity surrounding the disparities that PWDs face on a daily basis, we shouldn't discount the improvements that we have made as a society. Yes, yep. most definitely. Yep. So um, maybe I'll just move on to the second statement. So this is uh, something that... So the second statement is, Singapore will be nice to them. So, sorry, Singaporeans will be nice to them, but won't go out of their way to include them in activities unless necessary. So what are your some of your views on that? Okay, so while it is true that Singapore has a much kinder perspective um, of PWDs now, so there's definitely still more that we can do, like what you mentioned about including them. So we have this mindset of your business, not mine. And they don't want to seem very capo. Like, for example, if there's a PWD in public, you will see two types of reaction. One is really staring at them. And the other one is, looking away and avoiding contact. So what we actually need is someone in the middle looking and acknowledging with some form of understanding. So whether we, for example, if let's say we think that they need help, maybe a person with um, visual disability may, may look like they know where they're going, but it won't hurt to just sort of like approach them and just say, hey, do you need any help? Um, in directions or in a certain place and even though it feels some people will say ah, very paisay but the thing is paisay or not I think the person would just be okay uh, sure I need help or they'll just say no it's okay I know where I'm supposed to go but in this, in that sense you already made a, a step of trying to interact with them in that, in, in that first way and at least acknowledging their presence instead of just avoiding them altogether so another thing about um, maybe inclusing, uh, inclusion-wise, so it's, I would say it's a bit difficult to include, especially when you're an adult and you don't have 
any form of opportunities to interact with PWDs, maybe in the industry that you work in, or let's say even in your in your school where you are where you're currently studying at, um, it would be good for maybe our future generation. So in schools nowadays, you can find um, more PWDs or any persons who are sort of like diagnosed with certain disabilities because right now it's just a lot more prevalent because people are more aware of it they would send they would send their um, children to get evaluated so even though maybe us adults or older the older generation may not have the same opportunities as being able to interact with PWDs we can pass that knowledge or pass that positive mindset towards the future generation mm. in saying, hey, um, maybe your friend has um, a certain disability. So maybe your friend has something that you may not know or understand now. We can teach the younger generation how to acknowledge, how to be more aware and how they can even just, for example, just being friends with them, getting to know them and just instead of um, ignoring them or even in the worst case scenario, having a bullying case, there will be people there will be a future generation where they are more aware and they are willing to include PWDs in every single places so even if let's say our generation is unable to do it we can at least have the future generations to be able to do that mm. yeah so actually actually a lot of what you covered was um, actually uh, the responding to the third statement <laughs> that we were going to we were going to talk about which was that people some people are afraid but some people that are actually afraid of confronting PWDs because they don't know how to help them or simply because they don't understand or care about them mm. and so actually I had a personal experience where I saw a person with visual impairment uh, at a bus stop and he was sitting at the bus stop for quite a long time I think long enough for me to start to wonder if he was actually um, really lost or he just didn't know where to go. Part of the reason why he stood, he had sit there so long was because I was, I myself was asking myself whether I should, I could muster up the courage mm -hmm. to go up to him and ask if he needed help, which I eventually did. Uh, and then he told me that, um, uh, not to worry that because he, he was actually wait, waiting for someone, right? So, yeah, I, I do agree that, you know, it's not, maybe, so part of this anxiety or this uh, feeling of being afraid is generated by ourselves and actually it's not might not be a uh, accurate representation of the situation yeah. yeah and that probably there's no better way to overcome your fear of the unknown than to voluntarily face it yourself right? yeah. I think I, I think I really share also something similar to what um, Ernest said but I guess the emotional feeling that I felt uh, at the point of time is um I felt anxious. I felt like um, there's a certain expectation that I should be doing something, but at the same time, I I don't know whether it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And I also and I was kind of concerned about how how I will appear to to the people around me. There's this like a perception that people are looking at how how we conduct ourselves to approach someone like this. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this stress, and I don't know whether this is um this is generalizable to everyone, but personally, that's how I feel when I um. When I when I see some people who require help, but I'm not sure whether I'm I should be approaching them or not. Yeah. So I guess I I guess what you see is really true that if we can share all this knowledge and create the awareness in the younger generation or maybe just our friends, I think I think it really goes a long way to create the awareness that 
just go and ask them whether they need help and if they do you already help somebody mm. instead of just wandering around and uh, hovering and wondering whether they need help but not actually approaching them mm. right yep I think um, from my own personal experience like when some of my friends they come up to me and ask me um, are you doing okay is your brother fine or let's just say my brother had a fall or something mm-hmm. and I had to go and handle it um, friends would actually just check on me and that really comforts the mm. caregiver and I feel that it's also um, it makes the person uh, with PWD um, feel accepted as well I think yeah Right, so I think um, the next thing that I wanted to discuss is, you know, what does it mean for us to be inclusive? Does it mean um, the society adapts fully? Or what is the extent that we need to uh, adapt ourselves and to be more aware? But I guess there is really no finishing line that, or, or any line that we need to draw that, okay, now we have become more inclusive. But I guess, like, like what you guys said, like what Ernest mentioned, that we also need to acknowledge that we have came a long way to be more inclusive. But really, what, what does it mean to be inclusive? So in one of our Healy's podcast episodes, we actually talked about how we can become a more accepting society. And acceptance comes either before or with inclusion as well. We mm. mentioned about having more opportunities, job opportunities, where, as Kara mentioned, the responsibilities are in line with their abilities and interests instead of just an additional space or number to hire for the sake of it. So inclusive schools or school systems where there is encouragement um, or a push for interactions uh, between neurotypical children and children uh, or PWDs. So just a well-adjusted education system as well. And honestly, who's to say that children aren't able to learn important values and life lessons from one another, Mm. regardless of what they so happen to be born with? Yeah, so that's looking at the big picture. But in the small details, we can educate ourselves and display empathy in more proactive ways. So as mentioned, like if we see a, uh, perhaps a person on a wheelchair trying to go somewhere or um, individual with autism maybe displaying steaming behaviours, instead of just staring or, you know, act blur, we can try to see if they need any form of help. So whether they need help carrying something or going to a certain place or even for individuals with autism shifting to a quieter and safer environment or let's say if the parent or the caregiver is there and they look like they are struggling, um, offer assistance. You can ask them, hey, is there any way I can help? Um, Yes, sometimes the caregiver will feel embarrassed or paisi but I'm sure that as Kara mentioned, they would feel very appreciative to know that there are people who actually care about them and um, their family members. Mm. So right now we have access to so much information, um, accurate information in our own beautiful thing called Google. Mm. So if we want to learn more about PWDs, we can just say, hey Google, can you tell me more about this, 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 a person with uh, autism, a person with maybe visual visual disabilities. And there's so many journal articles, videos, podcasts, and even organizational websites that can provide um, articles on how to help PWDs. So we used internet every single day. I'm sure like a lot of, 99% of us do. And just take, it takes maybe five minutes to read up on something. But it also takes one minute to just, you know, tap on your, keyboard and say, oh, what can I find out about this information? 
Okay, so take advantage of this easy access that we didn't have maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago. And why stop at media when you can even just approach individuals themselves? So again, if you know you can also volunteer at um, any organizations, whether they might need help. And um, that's actually how I learned about PWDs. Mm. Like my first experience with PWD was volunteering in a special school, mm. which helped me to learn, understand, and even interact better. Mm. And even fueled my passion to work with PWDs. So I highly recommend others to go and do the same. So yeah. I think on my end, okay, currently what I can say is that um, I can share an experience that I have. I shared, I used to shadow a client of mine in primary mm. school. Yeah. And when we talk about inclusion, it was really nice to see a certain experience that I actually saw. Um, I think it was during recess time and the client that I usually handle has this um, tendency that after I eat, I must go straight to class and sit. Mm. So even <laughs> though he's done with recess in five minutes, he'll be back in the classroom sitting down and just waiting. Right. Yeah. But that there was this brief experience that I had where another... Um, student a regular kid just came up to him and hey you see what I got from the bookshop and mm. then he apparently bought a, to a top from the mm. bookshop that lights up mm. and he actually shared it with my client as well at that time to play along and when I saw that I was just like wow that's so nice and it wasn't um, forced or anything mm. it was just a child being a child just wanting to interact with someone else yeah. with his friend and it was nice to see that he wanted to interact with my client who has needs it was very um, obvious right. but it's nice to see how children um, interact with each other so like Alicia said um, pu pushing all this um good vibes I would mm. say um, towards the younger generation is really helpful because you do see it with the kids nowadays as well right I think when you mentioned about the fact that um, uh, these kids can also learn uh, from each other, uh, I think it really bring, brings back a memory that I think it's uh, nice to share today. So I think when, when I was in primary school, uh, we had well, I enrolled with two schoolmates. So two of them had um, some disability. One of them had, um, if I'm not wrong, it's mild autism. And the other uh, disability, I think it's cerebral palsy. Mm. But I think the point here is that the my school took the initiative to uh, talk and share with us about these two students. So they, they didn't just try to mask uh, or, or just leave it as just another day, just another student. But they told us that there's actually these two students who joined us in our in our cohort, and they made us know about what uh, the disabilities are the disabilities are about, and also make us know the challenges that they might face, and also teach us to be um, empathetic and to try and help them if uh, we are in the same class or let's say we are doing recess and they need help to approach them and see whether uh, they need any help from us mm. and I personally feel that on hindsight I think this really went, went a long way uh, because the fact that I was more aware about disabilities at a young age and I was thinking that if all these small experiences and life lessons are taught in the school system like how my school taught me and my cohort I think the reach is really far when they grow up they can influence their friends when they see something wrong when they see a behaviour uh, towards PWDs um, which is uh, not respectful I think they will have the initiative and understanding and courage to tell other people that hey I think this is not nice but I think this is what, should, this is what we should do I think personally I think uh, I can uh, 
I I know what you're saying when kids can learn from each other, mm. and I feel that um personally, I think it will be good if school system can actually teach children about this uh awareness at a young age. And I think uh it really goes a long way uh in helping us foster an inclusive society. Mm. Yes. And I I, th- I think just now when uh uh Alicia mentioned about um what it means to be an inclusive society, I think what I got from it is is a lot of small action. And also, it takes a lot of awareness and also um, uh, the initiative to want to make them feel included. Yeah, I think it's I I think it goes beyond just uh, lip service of I think we need to be inclusive, but I think it, it really shows in our actions whether we really want it to be that way or not. Um, yeah. So since we're on topic on inclusiveness for PWDs, there is an interesting movement that stemmed from advocates for persons with ASD called neurodiversity so can you guys share with us what neurodiversity is and what this term uh, entails Mm, okay so um, when we break the word itself neurodiversity it becomes into neuro or neurological and diversity so it's already in the name itself Mm. we look at the diversity in the brain so we look at the differences in people's brains regarding their learning their attention their personalities how they view the world and how they interact with others. So in this case, when we when we try to say, oh, okay, there's a there's a diversity in everyone's brains. There's a diversity in our behavior. Mm. It lets us focus, um, put more focus on that differences, and at the same time try to understand that and acknowledge that yes, there are differences, and at the at the same time we tell ourselves that it's okay to have differences like this. Right. And is this term um, used for people with ESD or are we all neurodiverse individuals? Mm, okay, so interesting enough, uh, since it's a very new term, mm. people try to think that, okay, maybe it's mostly for individuals with special needs or any form of uh, disorders or disabilities. And... It's great that now that we have, I guess, an umbrella term or at least a, a, a more respectful term for to address um, individuals with certain special needs. But at the same time, also, we are also a bit confused as to how, who, who falls into the line of neurodiversity or being mm. neurodiverse. Okay. So we have so many different types of um, condition, whether it's ASD, uh, global developmental disorder, ADHD, dyslexia. Mm. Um, being neurodiverse it sort of like says, okay, um, at least we know that we sort of belong together. All of us belong together. But at the same time also, um, how do we pinpoint certain differences in in certain groups of people? Um, but maybe we can say that everyone is neurodiverse, whether uh, we have a special need or not. Or even for those who may not have special needs, sometimes we would just even address them as neurotypicals. Okay, right. But when when we say we want to embrace um neurodiversity, the does it mean in inclusion in uh in this meaning by embracing neurodiversity inclusion for people with um for example ESD. Mm, yeah. So uh, one of our catchphrases also in Hillis is embracing neurodiversity. So mm, meaning okay. that we embrace those differences as mentioned. Okay. Um, everyone is born different, and yeah. we grow differently as well. We have our own likes, dislikes, 
personality, our own threshold to pain and stress, um, and our own ways of talking to other people. So since we were made differently, we should be embracing these differences. And if everyone is exactly the same, then the world would be quite boring, wouldn't it? (laughs) Right, right. Um, Well, I have one question on on this uh, topic about neurodiversity. Uh, So from what I understand about neurodiversity, it is about it's a term used to describe people who are neurodiverse, who are different, uh, who are different in their neurodevelopment. Mm, yep. Right, but from what I understand, I think the there are some people who advocate for neurodiversity and they are raising valid points about uh, embracing it. And as an occupational therapist and myself, I acknowledge that it is important for individuals to have autonomy on their lives, to be themselves, to be able to do the things that they want to do. And so I feel that everyone should have equal opportunities for social inclusion and resources to do the things that they want to. Um, but I think that, that there is this notion about accepting them for who they are that seem to run contrary to, uh, for example, the principle of, the underlying principle of going for therapy. Mm. Yeah, but so what is your take on, on this? Uh? Okay, so um, it's one thing to accept um, people for the way they are, but it's also another thing if, let's say, there are certain aspects in people's life where they may find challenging. So, for example, maybe um, a person with autism may have some gross motor or fine motor um, development issues and it will affect their quality of living. Then I think they still require um, whether some form of occupational therapy mm. or any any other form of even behavioural therapy if they do have some behavioral, uh, some regulation issues. And for me, there's always the line to draw maybe is when it affects their functional ability and Mm. the quality of life. So yes, we can accept people for who they are, but if they are facing, if it's something that is just affecting um, the way that they live, whether it's even causing them distress, then definitely they do need the assistance and the support for that. Mm. So for me, that's just the line that we we can draw for anybody. So even for ourselves, if maybe um, some of us maybe may even be, uh, may even have certain issues, whether it's something as minor as, or I don't, uh, some of us may not like public speaking, Mm. then of course, Mm. if we have to do it, we will try to train ourselves. We will go for classes for it. Or maybe some of us may have issues such as depression or even eating disorders we ourselves would want to go and seek therapy for that because those things are maybe affecting our quality of life and we would want to help ourselves, better ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, so um, like uh, I really like what you said about the therapy and intervention helping them to um, improve their quality of life. So I was just thinking like, like maybe, maybe some of our listeners here can, um, I, I could draw the link with how Similarly, healthcare workers have a legal and ethical responsibility to protect the patients that they care for and to make sure that they receive the best treatment. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, as uh, therapists and inter- uh, and people who are providing interventions for such persons, we can see as um, ensuring that they have the same right to be able to lead a high quality of life, just as the sim- similar to how healthcare workers would ensure that their own patients have the best care that they deserve, right? Mm. 
Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. But so essentially, when so I think e- even when society is embracing new diversity, so when it when these individuals requires certain training and uh, assistance in, for example, like you said, fine motor skills, or even uh, to help them to socialize and to communicate with people. So this is when uh, the, the, the therapy comes in useful in supporting them in wanting to do that the things uh, to do the things that they, they actually desire in doing. Mm. Right. Yes, correct. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah, so um sorry, just to add on. Because yeah. you mentioned about because it's funny that you mentioned about um so the social skills as well. Yep. So sometimes I guess some people when they talk about being um embracing neurodiversity, they might even say some people just prefer to be quiet or prefer to play mm. by themselves. Well, that is actually fine. Mm. So maybe it's part and parcel of people's personalities. Um but at the same time, if let's say they do need um certain skills where for example requesting for help, especially in an emergency situation, it would be good to be able that um these individuals would be able to ask for help in some sense. So yes, we can embrace the neurodiversity of yes, they can choose to maybe be introverted, mm. but at the same time they also need to have maybe survival skills mm. where they in this example request for help. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and I agree with that because there's always that fine line there yeah. where mm-hmm. uh you yep. don't know whether you, that person is introverted, like Alicia said, or whether they don't know how to ask mm. or they don't know how to request for something. So there's always that fine line there that um I think as therapists or as healthcare workers in general should be a bit more aware about as well. That um when we when we talk about social skills or a sensory input that mm. they need. Uh, since you talked about occupational therapy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have clients who go for OT as well mm-hmm. to help with mm-hmm. their sensory mm-hmm. regulation as well. Mm-hmm. So we always remember that there's always that fine line in guiding on whether it's the person's personality or whether it's they really need help in regulating right. themselves. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I also feel that the intent behind the neurodiversity movement is quite an admirable one and helps us look beyond the disabilities of individuals and instead look towards including them in our society. Yeah, so I think we can try to emulate this spirit in Singapore and recognize that neurodiverse individuals and PWDs have an equal right to lead meaningful and purposeful lives. Yeah, yeah so uh, with that, we have come to the end of this podcast episode. So Alicia and Kara, thank you for taking the time to speak with us on the topics of inclusivity and neurodiversity. We probably still have a long way to progress as a society to be more inclusive, but I feel that there isn't a finishing line for how inclusive we can be as a society. Moving forward, I think we should continue to raise awareness for inclusivity and neurodiversity in Singapore. Stay tuned for our next episode on the Project Includes Gift podcast, where we will discuss more about autism spectrum disorder. And if you have any questions on this podcast, do submit your questions to our Instagram page at sit.projectinclusegift. Thank you for listening to our podcast and do remember to take care and stay safe.